Welcome to the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and the founder of Catani Capital Group. For the last two years, I've been studying alternative assets and now help solve the problem of creating passive cash flow for creators, influencers, and busy professionals by bringing you five episodes a week of easy to understand education in the world of passive investing. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Friday Follow Up here on the Cashflow Chronicles. I am your host, Johnny Catani. I hope everyone had a great week. Hope everyone has awesome weekend plans. We are once again battling storms every single day here, but we shall persevere. I'm hoping that uh, we can still count this as spring, quote unquote. And uh, when summer comes officially here in a couple of weeks, that we have a little bit more predictability when it comes to sunshine, because I'll tell you, it makes it tough to uh, make plans when you're not sure if it's going to rain every day, but it's still warm. Uh, and I like that. And uh, the, the storms are cooling it down to where I, you can actually still uh, open the windows at night, uh, which is actually kind of nice, not going to lie, uh, and not something I've ever been able to do this time of year. So anyway, uh, you know me, I always <laughs> make at least one mention of the weather. Uh, I've realized, in fact, someone called me out on it uh, a couple of weekends ago. They're like, how often do you check the weather? And I was like, maybe too much. But that's only because I like to know when the rain is going to come so I can kind of plan my day around it. Because normally, legitimately scheduled in my day is every afternoon, I go outside, pull out a camp chair, and uh, my dog and I literally go sit in the sun. And I either read, sometimes I just sit there for uh, 30 minutes in the sun, uh, shirt off, and just catch vitamin D and get energy. And that's been interrupted uh, a few days every week, which is kind of a bummer. And then you won't see the sun. It'll always blow through, but it won't be till later in the day when uh, it's just not quite the same. And a lot of times even later, it's like 7, 7.30. So, so that is one bummer because I, I like to go out there. My favorite thing to do is go out there and read. And that's typically my reading time for the day. And I'll take 30 minutes and read right in the direct sunlight usually end up sweating but uh you know it's it's kind of a two birds one stone right get get my daily vitamin d and also get my daily reading in so so that's why i mentioned that and that's why i checked the, the radar a lot but uh, i got called out and uh, it was pretty funny so anyway that's obviously not what we're going to talk about today so what we're going to talk about today is we are going to talk about so we've done a lot on like, you know, the who, what, why, when, when it comes to investing, right? Picking your, you know, uh, developing your investment thesis and your risk tolerance and all of those things. So now what we're going to talk about, what I want to get into is we're going to talk about the kind of the fundamentals behind like choosing your markets, right? So this is obviously very, very important, right? Because real estate is all about location, 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 right? I mean, that's everything. And depending on your market, you know, like for instance, take Dallas. Dallas is down to like the block. We're like, 
the block could be the difference between like a C class and a B neighborhood and a C class and a C neighborhood and the crime and the school district. And then in Houston, it's something, the difference between like flood zone and not. So that's going to change your insurance and that's going to change a lot of things. Right. So, so it's very important to understand the markets that you're looking at and I realize that when you find a good uh, operator and a good, you know, that has been working in the same market for many years, they have a good track record in that market. It can be easy to just follow them. And I'm not saying that's, that's, that's wrong. Right. Because, you know, they've done the research and they're going to share it with you. Right. Like it's going to be in the offering memorandum, but what they show you can be subjective. So it's important to, in my opinion, it's important to go and and learn it yourself, right? To understand those different things so that you're aware. And so that if something happens, you, you know, you understand what you're getting into, right? Like if you're getting into a C class, it might be in a bit of a higher crime area, but the returns are higher and you're aware of that and you understand why that is, and you're like, okay, I'm willing to be speculative, then you can't be mad when it takes longer to implement the business strategy of kicking out the current tenants because they're having to call the police every day. And yes, this is a real thing. So that's why I bring it up. So so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a series on market research and how to properly understand what you're looking at and what's important, what's not important and why. So the reason I bring this up is because what you're starting to see is you're starting to see a massive amount of new construction come online. Something like I was researching something like 950,000 multifamily units are under construction. You know, so almost a million units under construction nationally and what that does is that saturates the market, right? It doesn't matter what market you're in. So let's say you're in a market like Phoenix that is already experiencing a flattening of the rent, where which we knew was coming, right? Because Phoenix, you know... Phoenix went up so high, so fast that it's only natural that it corrects. And, you know, what goes up must come down. So, you know, if you go up 25% and you drop, you know, 8%, you know, you're still up, what's that? 17%, right? So, you know, over, you know, long, right? Over the the lo a long-term period. So, so it's important to, to understand the different variables at play. Okay, why is that, right? Why, why is it coming down? Well, part of that is because there's a lot of new units coming online. And what happens when you, new units come online? I, I believe I've talked about this, but I'll explain, I'll explain how uh development typically works so typically developers their only goal the only thing they do is they develop they don't have the goal of 
I'm going to build this apartment complex and then I'm going to hold on to it for three to five to seven years and operate it. Typically they come in, they build it and they want to get out. Now that's not always the case, right? There are groups who have a development arm, so they'll do, you know, um, you know, already build acquisition, right? So your, your typical acquisition of an apartment complex, that was, you know, built 10, 20, 30 years ago, yada, yada. But, you know, and then they'll also have like a development arm where they're building new stuff. You see this a lot in, you see this a lot in uh, self-storage, just because self-storage, the barrier to entry on development is a lot lower than it is for a multifamily. But it's important to understand what, new uh new builds can do and typically what they do is they saturate a market and then because developers aren't looking to hold on to something what they'll do is once it's built or let's say it's in phases right let's say you're building something massive like 450 units you're going to build you know 150 at a time right and, and bring them online in phases but in the meantime what you're doing to ultimately be able to position this thing to sell so to you know ultimately to be able to do one of two things if you are going to hold on to it well l- let me rephrase that your next goal after it's built is to get it stabilized and the two biggest reasons are typically debt right so after a typical construction loan gives you even after the completion of the construction you typically will still be able to have the same uh, loan terms for one year after after construction is completed. So in order to refinance, you'll need to have it stabilized, which means you'll need to have at least a 90% occupancy. In order to sell it, you also need to have it stabilized in order to present it as the best in order to present it as a, you know, in order to get the highest premium possible to sell it. Well, typically in order to do that, what you're doing is you're giving a concession, meaning you're giving, you know, new, uh, what sort of looking for? You're giving new, uh, new tenants, uh, basically a discount, right? Could be 50, could be a hundred, could be $200 a month, typically not that high, somewhere in the hundred dollar range. So what's going to happen? Well, if you're in an area where there's, you know, let's say there's a thousand units within three miles and you come in and let's say the market, let's just make it easy. The market rent is $1,500 and all of a sudden you're offering $1,400. Well, guess what? In order for the other apartments to like the other apartment complexes to keep their tenants, you know, cause a smart tenant is going to look at the market and see, okay, where can I get basically the same thing for, for less, right. In in the same vicinity, let's say you love the area, put your tenant hat on. Okay. You love the area you're in, you want to stay there, but you know, you don't want your rent to go up the, the 50, $7,500 that it's going to go up due to just as rents do right. Typically in the 50 range, $50 range. So you jump online real quick and look and you see there's this new apartment building that's just been built. And, you know, what was going to cost you 15, 
25 now to renew your lease, you can go get for 1400. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, ideally you don't have to, you know, nobody want, likes moving, right? So instead of moving over there to go get the 1400, you just say, Hey, this place, which is basically the exact same style, right? Like, you know, they're, they're all a little bit different, but in the end, they're all pretty much the same, assuming they're all the same class, right? Assuming you're not going A down to B or B down to C, right? You're staying at A, you're staying at B, you're staying at C. In this case, we'll, we'll call it A, uh, just because we're talking about new construction. So you, you know, you go to the property manager and say, well, this place is offering, you know, basically the same for 1400, you know, what can you do? And they'll have no choice but to match it. Right. I'm not saying like, oh, we won't bump yours. We'll leave it at 1500. It's like, no, I want to save $1,200 a, a year. Right. And you're willing to like move down the street, you know, ultimately. And then, you know, they have to have tenant turnover and all the costs that come with it. So they have no choice. Right. There's all these costs that come with tenant turnover. You know, they got to come in, they got to clean it, they got to fix anything that's, you know, maybe there's, you know, damage from you moving in or, whatever it may be, right? Like maybe you had a pet, you know? And so they've got it, right? So all these fees that are associated with tenant turnover, that comes on the side of the landlord. That's just a cost that, that they incur. So instead of them now getting what they thought was going to be from 1500 to 1525, they're now forced to bring you down to 1400, right? So now what has happened is the whole market has no choice but to adhere to this or lose tenants right to this new apartment complex which is going to fill up and get to 90 percent because they're a hundred dollars below market so as you guys can see right this is simply one variable this is literally just new construction and so the this plays into what they call the absorption rate and you know, absorption rate plays into the economics of, you know, new, uh, you know, how with the demand, right? What's the demand in the area for units? And, you know, it ties into your vacancy rate for sure. Vacancy is, is a proponent of demand for sure, right? It's, it's the most obvious one, but it's not all of it because, you know, if some place is 80% occupied, that doesn't necessarily mean it's because there's no demand in the area for units. It could very well be that specific apartment complex itself and the ownership and property management and, and all of those things. So it's not the, um, you know, the key metric for that. So basically what I'm trying to get at is, you know, with all of these new apartment complexes coming online, this presents a new variable that you should be paying attention to as you invest, even in these top markets like Phoenix and Austin and uh, your other Sun Belts, Atlanta, you know, um, uh, Charlotte. Uh, let's see, you know, and and kind of your your whole Sun Belt there, some of your Florida markets, like all these markets. It's very important to pay attention to that. So. What does that mean? Well, absorption will 
doesn't always typically mean a, you know, a huge loss, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if the demand is there in a market, then, uh, in a, uh, in a market, then it's possible then it's possible for it's possible that it'll have no effect at all. It's very possible that if demand is there, that it'll have a minimal effect. Certainly it'll have an effect because, you know, you're going to have tenant turnover and you're going to have people who leave, even if you don't match, it's like, okay, well then, right. Let's say you're, you know, you were about to raise uh, rents for a tenant whose lease was coming due, right. Your typical, you know, 3%, right. That the market has right now. And they're like, no, I'm going to go to this place that's 1400. And you're like, all right, well, we'll keep it at 1500 at best. Right. And they're like, no, I, I'm going to leave. Okay. Well, it doesn't mean that you're never going to be able to fill that apartment at 1500 or 1525. Right. It just means that, you know, there's a tenant loss. So don't take, I don't want this to be like doom and gloom. Like, oh my gosh, all these new apartments complex and, and NOIs are going to sink like crazy because that's that's not true. I'm just trying to make you aware of the details of what goes into of what goes into market research and what you should be paying attention to in order to be the most effective when it comes to a part of research because. You know, this could mean, you know, this could be a really, really good question if let's say you're watching a webinar and, you know, it's a new Phoenix thing and and they don't say any, you know, all they do is show you all the the best uh, demographic information for Phoenix, right? Like, oh, look at all these new jobs and, and you know, X number of people are moving into Phoenix, you know, year over year. And they say nothing about the new units that are coming along. Well, this is a perfect question to present in the Q&A. What do you have in place in order to, you know, what are you doing to, um, to account for the absorption of these new units that are coming online, X units? And I'm not sure the specific of how many of those 950,000 are in Phoenix, but still a factor. There's a lot coming online there. Uh, and Phoenix has a pretty high absorption rate, but, you know, it's a really, really great question because if they don't bring it up, you know, that's something you should ask. And so it's easy to ask a question and, you know, typically they'll have something and they're like, oh, well, our break-even occupancy is, you know, X, which is normally 75 to 80%, right? Meaning that they can withstand a drop in occupancy for, you know, new apartments that are, you know, coming online with these big concessions, right? And and that's pretty typical, you know? Um, good underwriting should have that in place. So, you know, that's, that's essentially, so that's essentially one variable to, to market research, right? And the reason I bring that up is because there are so many new apartments coming online and we're seeing so much being built and we're seeing a, a trend away from 
uh, single family homes being built and a trend toward uh, apartments being built. And so it's something to keep in mind. So it's important to understand absorption and to make sure that the operator you're investing with understands it as well. Right. So for instance, you know, absorption is essentially like, you know, how many units are online and how many units are, so how many units are available? How many units are coming online and what's the sort of average occupancy? And so that's going to basically give you the, uh, the absorption. So for instance, let's say there's 300 units, right? And 75 are rented. Okay. So you basically divide 75 by 300 and that gives you 0.25. So that gives you a 25% absorption. It gives you a 25% absorption rate. Not that great. That means only 25% of apartments are getting absorbed. So what does that do? That, that could really crush you. That could seriously crush your revenue because that means there's not a lot of demand, which means why wouldn't people leave and go to these apartments that are offering a lower rent, you know, and maybe they're willing to give up some certain amenities. So like I said, this is something to keep in mind. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to launch a series of market research and essentially just talk about why you know how how you should be analyzing a market and how that plays into you know again analyzing a you know vetting an operator and vetting their their market research too it's important too to understand market research at least at a basic level so you can make sure that their market research is you know up to standard and they have correct information right and of course, like it can be a little bit subjective, right? I mean, one or 2% here and there, like, you know, that's not worth going crazy about. But, you know, again, this is a good example of like, okay, if nothing's in there about absorption and the new units coming online, then, you know, what do you, where do you guys have that baked in, you know, in order to account for it? So, so anyway, there you have it. That's uh for that's part one, really. And this was just a basic, like, really, this was just an episode to launch it. I think I'm gonna keep this for Wednesday's episodes uh and keep Friday a little bit more a little bit more lighthearted. But if I'm being 100 percent honest with you, I was trying to find something kind of off topic to talk about today, and there really wasn't much. Um there was some stock market stuff. The S&P 500 is uh, officially off its bear run, longest bear run since 1940. So that's that's good news. Um, also, some more good news for you guys. I just found out that um, the there's a unit for sale where I live. So I live in a townhouse community. There's a unit for sale for 426. Um, I'm not going to say what I bought my house for, but it's basically, uh, I've almost pretty much doubled my house. So by that, I mean, I have doubled it. Now, this unit's a little bit different. It's a lot more modern. Not to say I couldn't bring mine up to that standard, but like they put in all new windows and doors. And I'm not sure if I want to go to that length to sell it. Uh, I guess that would have been a good 
Friday follow up. Maybe I'll do that for next Friday follow up. I'll talk about housing and my housing and um, you know different op- different things you can look at in order to maximize selling your house. But um, I'm getting off topic here. So Wednesdays now, what we're going to do is I'm going to do a market research series, understanding market research, how to do it effectively, and then how to use that to ensure that the operators you're vetting and or investing with are, you know, being effective as well and not just showing you, you know, the glitz and the glamour and they're taking into account things like absorption and things like, you know, crime rates and what block they're on and all of these things, right? And, and make sure they're aware of that. So anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, do not forget, you guys, the cashflowchronicles.com, same name as the podcast, can't forget it. Go there, get on the list. We've got some exciting things coming, including the video series that I'm very excited for. As always, you can follow me on social media at Johnny Katani, and I will talk to you guys next Wednesday. Thank you guys. See ya. Thank you again for tuning in. Who do you know that wants more cash flow? Share this episode with them so you can grow your cash flow together. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so you never miss a new episode. Go to katanicapitalgroup.com to learn more.